Welcome to the Oda Magazine podcast. We at Oda desire to give a deeper insight into the people we spend time with through a podcast featuring creatives and entrepreneurs across art, fashion, films and other creative disciplines. Each episode highlights the work of individuals actively participating in culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future dealing with themes such as diversity, equality, understanding and, of course, passion. Odda is a platform where self-expression, imagination and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. Recording this. Amazing. So, first of all, thank you so much for taking time to do it, to do this. So I'll just get my questions up. So amazing. Um, yeah, first of all, congrats on the LVMH Prize. We just briefly talked about it. Um, really huge achievement. And Thank so well. And um, you said that your career was born in lockdown, but I mean, it has progress like no other. Like I can barely believe that you only like left Westminster like two years ago. How does the mm. success feel to you? Oh, it's, um, I'm like, yeah. So firstly, thank you so much um, about LVMH. It was, um, it was genuinely a big surprise and it was a bonus on top of the experience of the competition um, to win. And um, yeah, so I graduated in 2020, which for me feels like ages ago because we, we obviously have lived a, a whole other lifetime since then, um, building the brand and, um, but yeah, it's not been a, a long amount of time at all. And I suppose that success of it feels very surreal, especially in the climate of, um, you know, jobs, etc. Uh, I was really, really set on just getting a grad job when I finished. So uh, yeah, we didn't expect this either. <laughs> so you were set on getting a grad job, but yeah, you label instead? How did that come along? Yeah, no, I was like, I was super set on having a grad job. In fact, it's kind of what I... Um, worked towards in my um, final year of uni and I suppose lockdown just came in the way of that I remember we had this like really morbid uh, Zoom meeting just before we like graduated or finished uni and were, we were told that our job prospect had gone from like awful anyway to nearly non-existent so uh, in that moment I just kind of um, I don't know I just didn't want, I didn't want to stop so I just continued and I didn't continue with the intention of starting a brand it just sort of happened like it just just sort of rolled along into that direction yeah. organically which is, which is which is actually really lovely oh my god that must have been so stressful in 2020 um because i was yeah. about i had a one year left before like my ba finished and then we were all right. like pressed for all this and then it must have been so awful like i mean fashion jobs are awful anyway well, this is what I was going to say. The, the prospect of jobs mm-hmm. in fashion is um, is tough anyway at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that moment, I was like, oh, God, there's just no chance. And um, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was stressful. But I think there was, a, there was something nice about knowing that we're all in, this, in the same position together. There was yeah. something quite um, reassuring about that, actually, at yeah. the time, I remember. Yeah, we're all in the same boat in these unprecedented times. We used I know. To. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, um, following up on your comment that like, like jobs and fashion are awful anyway, especially when you're like from a working class background. 
Um, and I mean, you are like very vocal about being from a working class background from Liverpool. Um, so you champion, basically you cha champion a dialogue and getting more people um, from this um, background in the industry. Like um, where where's the industry at in your opinion and what else needs to be done? Yeah, I think I've been vocal about that since I've worked in the industry and noticed that actually, um, I remember when I was like speaking in different jobs, there was always a comment on the fact that I was from the North or the fact that I was from you know, a different background or, I don't know, I, I felt that was um, just a really awkward thing for to be commented on all the time. And um, I think the structure of a fashion degree anyway, it does favor those who um, have maybe more money to spend than spare. You know, fashion is an expensive degree, not only in the tuition fees, but you're also expected to purchase fabrics every few weeks for any project, and it become it can become like a super super expensive um, thing if you haven't got the money to do it. It's very really difficult, um, which I suppose is uh, it, it helps for you to be really resourceful, but you start to notice that, oh, the same people are doing really well in the projects because they can afford to go and get the trims and the bits and the fabrics and stuff. And it becomes more of, okay, so it's a money game. Yeah, um, which was never, I don't know, it made me feel a bit uneasy about the whole structure of it. And I suppose that's just sort of projects what the industry can be like as well outside of education. Yeah, like I heard from a student who just graduated the RCA that they're thinking of like doing a new rule that for the first year you're only allowed to use the stuff that gets donated to them because mm. it reaches heights that are like unbelievable with like people from financially privileged backgrounds being able to do all these crazy things that someone from like a working class background especially is not able to do. Like, yeah, exactly. You're not yeah. able to spend 8K on, on like a pair of sample shoes, like that's just no exactly um sometimes gone i totally totally agree that's a great rule it's a great idea i think yeah or to I, at least or to at least have projects that are defined by those resourceful you know things that don't involve yeah. who can spend the most money i don't know it's a, it's a super interesting thing i think it's also like it's just a fishbowl edu yeah. education it's just a it's just um yeah yeah definitely it's a super small environment, everyone knows everyone. Um, and um, you're sort of on top of each other 24 like seven, I suppose. Yeah. And um, you, you just get to know people in a really intimate way. I think that potentially uh, is quite dissimilar to other degrees and courses. Um, and I suppose then you get to understand that uh, these people have uh, access to different things than we do and so you've got to work twice as hard to keep up with the way I suppose yeah it's like when you're one of those backgrounds you just this like you know like so much thing is so many things are off the cards like and like in this industry is based on privilege like all this yeah. unpaid interning and all that um and I mean you started like in lockdowns like up there back to the roots how did it feel to um to like you like how would you feel if you would travel back in time and tell your younger self in that bedroom the success you'd get yeah it's really unbelievable really I didn't I never um foresaw this happening or at least not happening on such a small um time 
brain. Um, I don't know, I think it would have been pretty unbelievable, but I've always been super um, driven to like do something with my time, to just like do something with myself. And so, although it's unbelievable, it's like we do work really, really hard <laughs> for it. And I, I like to hopefully believe that it's some sort of meritocracy in which we are rewarded for the hard work we do. <laughs> um, which I'm not sure if that's very true, but um, yeah, it's unbelievable. I think it would have been, I don't think I would have believed it. Yeah, of course. It's, it's kind, it would be kind of surreal if some sort of magical voice tells you, like, in two years' time, we get the LVMA and people are going to fight to be at your shows. Like, <laughs> I love those fights. Those fights keep me, those fights keep me um, thinking I'm doing something right. It's like, a wonderful ego boost. Let's just not lie about it. It's I know, exactly. It's great. You know, you want to yeah. fight to get in. Perfect. It's like, I love it. I was like, um, I saw you at the Westminster BA show and like they gave you like such VIP treatment of walking you in. Oh and, my like, gosh. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, isn't it weird? Yeah. Like I, I went there with one granary and then whenever you come with like any like press, they're like, they're like, oh my God, you're here. Like here's your seat. And when you're like, as a freelancer, they're like, oh, fine, standing. Like, um, uh, yeah, that was really weird to go back um, yeah. and see it from, yeah, I don't know, it's so weird. Because that's the first show, I think, since our show in our oh. year group. So, um, yeah, it was very, very odd. And because we, we were in that really lucky um, time frame, actually, in Westminster, where we did our grad show literally like three weeks, I think, for lockdown. So we were super oh. lucky because I know all of the other year groups in different colleges, we all, we all show at different times. And so because Westminster shows earlier. Yeah. Um, we were able to show which was super lucky um and I, I remember feeling that that was like you know super, super lucky in that time frame because I know that a lot of the colleges didn't really get to show just yeah yeah of course like I think the CSM show was like the, the BA show was like first back this year um oh uh, yeah yeah because I go to CSM and then we were like invited but it was, it was so much it was so much like 300 looks um Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, they, it's, it's, it's amazing that they showed everyone's work. I love that. Really yeah, it, it, it's that's... really nice. It was just, it's just a bit overwhelming. Like, um, but yeah. it's at the same time, show selection is such a cruel thing in itself. Like, oh, gosh, it's awful, isn't it? But I remember feeling yeah. like that was the thing that sort of that drove everyone to like. Yeah, of course. It's really weird. I'm, 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 I'm such on two sides of that of that. Because yeah, of course, yeah, same. I feel like it was so daunting, but it was also the thing that everyone would speak about for the years before it happened. Like, oh, I'm so excited to see, like, I don't know. I think we were all super excited for that to happen. I know some people in my year group were really against the show selection thing, but I kind of loved yeah. it. it yeah, like sometimes I also think that, like, your work might not be ready yet or something doesn't mean like you're it doesn't it doesn't by no means it means like a young designer's career is over um hasn't even started yet but like it is yeah, a good, but, good boost you know but then it's also kind of reflective of as we were saying just before yeah. there are hardly any jobs in the industry so let's not yeah. let's not pretend as if there is there is you know there's not and yeah. it's, I think it's very difficult actually to find yourself in a position in the industry and I feel every day like super 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 grateful that I've been able to um find a position in the industry for which I studied because I know that's just such a rarity now mm -hmm. um but then on the flip side of that you know 
there aren't many jobs in 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 the industry and but there's so many education like slots and you know um that I, I think i remember reading recently it was like you know students studying for the industry is like the jobs and the students is there's just like quadruple yeah. amount of, of studying yeah. for the industry yeah one of my friends on my course because i do my ma in fashion journalism said well I don't think we would have competition if there would be enough jobs but as soon as like right. something arises where like some people are put forward there's like this strange sense of like competition but you don't want to like it's kind of weird once you like compete with your friends isn't it like yeah that's the bit that I found really weird after uni because yeah um I don't know yeah it's I've always felt like in fashion education in some to some degree there is less room for um, people who want to uh, be somewhat commercial. And I feel like that is actually from a point of privilege, totally, because in yeah. order to stay doing to stay doing the thing you love, you have to, in some respect or at some degree, monetize what you're doing so you can able to fund yourself. But it's very interesting the people who say, you know, who cares about selling things? It's just about making art. And it's like, well, it's not really... Um, it's not really a uh, a real day to day viewpoint to have anymore, unless you are from a point of complete privilege. Yeah, yeah of, of course. Like anyone who's like, oh, I want to be art school for the rest of my life, basically. Like, who, I just want to yeah. do editorial, like experimental styling. I'm like, when I worked at magazines, like the but the budgets for an editorial aren't beautiful. Like, yeah, it's it's worlds. Like, I think like a commercial shoot has like a. If Samsung does like a shoot for like their campaign, that they, they have a very beautiful budget. But if like a small magazine does an editorial shoot, it's like, no. So like, I mean, they, that would be that would be gorgeous, wouldn't it? Just to want to do fun things like that, but it's just not hyper realistic. And I think it's about mm-hmm. maybe um, being more realistic, but not that's not a bad thing, you know. Yeah, you can, of course. You can have do the things you want to do and be as expressive as you want to be but also be somewhat commercially minded to make it happen yeah I mean your, sh- your shows are so expressive like um I was there for like one other person they cried like, oh, like so many people in that audience cried like when they saw that like that theatrical play and it really did stand up because I think you were towards the evening or something um and usually it's just like, you know, models, 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 like blah, blah. And I really like that you finish on Cloud Busting by Kate Bush. Mm, um, yes. I mean, I was like, yeah, I recognize that. I was like, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I know, I know. Look at Kate Bush, she's everywhere. She's like, all over the place. Yeah, because she was in that Netflix show, like Stranger Things. I know. And then that's they were fun. like, um, and now it's become like it's probably like exploded on TikTok as well. Now the kids like it as well. Um, I know it's it's wild. And it's like different. we had Kate Bush, we had Kate Bush in our first show and our second show. Not uh, physically there, not yet. Yeah, we're working on that. Yeah, just <laughs> um, invite her. Just, just, just say like we really like your music and you got some attention now. Like I know. I actually, I, I actually wrote her a letter a few months ago. I'm not sure if she ever read it, but oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be that should be like your next campaign star. Just dress just Kate Bush. Bush. Oh my god, dress Kate Bush. Dress Kate Bush. Everyone would love it. I would um, love it. I yeah, mean, of course. She's a legend. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, 
you're like um basically like I saw your show as like like a wonderful intersection of theater and runway um mm. and when you like like make like plan a show create a show how does your process go like what's your storytelling angle um so we've done two shows to this point and both mm. of those two shows were um so different <laughs> in the approach to them um but it's kind of like it really is a, a huge community of people that work on and behind the scenes for shows and the first show we did was so different to anything really because we worked with the National Youth Theatre and we they had like a two-week devising process where we cast these boys from it at NYT and um, they we we worked together to workshop these ideas around all of our different experiences in school and so they worked super well together and we documented the process that was really beautiful but they spent one week just literally talking about their different experiences of school their experiences of class like gender sexuality identity etc in the school setting um and then from those like real life experiences they like workshopped and built a narrative that fit into a show format um and so it was really it was really them it was really all them all, and the boys they, they did it all themselves and we, we sort of worked the question into it around it and so that became that on its own was very individual as it was just such a moment for it was our first it was the first sort of show um we had ever had and it's the first time everyone came back from the pandemic to a physical show and so it felt like it was a just a really nice platform for um voices in theatre as theatre was so I think terribly affected by yeah. the lockdowns and things in a way that fashion wasn't fashion is able to continue it's able to monetize it can digitize theater doesn't translate into digital brilliantly and so i think that became a, a, an opportunity for them to um you know have a platform very unlike anything you'd ever have in theater um, so that was that and then second show was a combination of um ron bear and trinity Robin dancers and um that felt super personal and close to me because um, my boyfriend is a dancer and he studied at Trinity Laban. And uh, over lockdown, he stopped dancing completely because there was just no opportunities in dance. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of felt similar, but different. And he really took over the uh, choreography of that. And it was an opportunity for him to revisit dance, but it was also super reflective of me because he is part of me, etc. So it was, um, okay. yeah. it's wonderful so like what what intrigues you to like because it is a unique approach in this like day and age um to connect fashion um mm -hmm. with like other like creative disciplines just to shut such performance um i think fashion is totally unique in the set in the in the sense that um you know the press aspect in regards to fashion is um, monstrous, it's huge, it's enormous. And especially if you compare that to theatre. And so I think such a platform can be shared and utilised and, and used to push others or other industries forward. Yeah. I know that when we worked with the MIT in particular, they had, they said to us, like, we've never ever had this much like press attention and like, and they're a charity, so you know it, all that sort of stuff. It benefits them massively, um, and um, yeah, 
I suppose it's just an opportunity, just opportunity to share a platform with a group of people or you know, a societal you know, box that wouldn't usually have that sort of exposure, I suppose. Um, and also talking about actually, I really like the set design. Like I thought it was oh it was set. Oh yes. Yeah. Like I remember I had to write an assignment about it for my journalism, like for my class. And then I think I described oh. it as like a Victorian Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh like, yeah, like, perfect. And my, and my teacher was like, "What does that mean? You can't write it." And I was like, "Yeah, well I can." <laughs> like that's how it looked like because it had this like beautiful bed and like um mm -hmm. it really reminded me of like um that film Midsummer like it was like beautiful but like she said it's a bad description but like I know I got your approval so I feel better I think that's a that's a great description I can imagine um I can imagine bottom coming out there you know no, she was like, dream. you can't say that and I was like well that's that's how I felt looking at it. It was like a big yeah. on the night's dream. Like not everything is rational. Um, yeah, exactly. That's that sounds brilliant. And it was it really was that in a way. Um, and that also was like a super fun thing for us to do. Uh, <laughs> and it was super like between us in the studio, we would that whole thing just became about the brief. I think we set was to source and so many objects and bits that felt as though it was the inside of a, um, a stately home and uh, we did it on a very low low budget we literally drove around the country picking up mm -hmm. beds and lamps and things and it was just super fun to put that together yeah like um i i thought like the themes of the show are very deep like um yeah. like queerness and all that mm -hmm. and i mean it was like what was like the aim to juxtapose it with like such beautiful set like with all these like gorgeous flowers which have like a like a very like beautiful symbolism which is like opposed to sometimes maybe like the dark themes that you actually communicate yeah um i think from when we started the when i started the brand in the end of the university mm -hmm. um i remember researching into the that was more so researching into the traditionalism and themes of the upper classes and education standpoint and setting. And I remember I came across the um, regatta boat races in particular. I'm not sure if you've seen the images of sort of eating boys with the yeah. huge floor headsets. Yeah. And so that that that's how that started. It sort of has moved through the um, collections and the themes of what we do quite organically. And so. Um, there's different like literature references that use flowers as you know um metaphors and um, I, su I suppose that has lived throughout and i suppose it's now a part of the, the dna of the brand that is kind of reflective of those reference points um okay. and also we i remember we did the flowers in the the last show um, and I worked with um, a friend of mine who actually I graduated with in uh, Westminster. Um, she's called Clementine Hocking. And um, she worked with me on the set. And we had an idea between us that there's, there was a part, I'm not sure if you remember, there was like a dining table with like a full yeah, set yeah. dining table. And we wanted it to look as if um, it was the morning after, like the, the night before sort of thing. And so oh. she had this sort of like, um when he lived in like the flowers were sort of like trodden on on the floor and it was kind of it was a bit like you know um have you seen the photo set the last hurrah by 
mm-hmm. David Jones. Is it David Jones? Um, yeah. And it's, it kind of depicts like the Boris Johnson year group at uh, Eton, in which the sort of like it's um, it was meant to be sort of that idea. Yeah, I really liked it. I really liked the the whole like metaphorical theme because like I think I think I went backstage and I know it spoke to you briefly and you said it's like upstairs downstairs and like different mm-hmm. parts conveyed in the house like, very deep um so really like that um yeah ah yeah pleasure and I mean like um how would you like um describe your creations to someone because like your creations are so emotional like um who's never heard of you um I think in a short way I use I say sometimes that we take the traditional ideas of what quote-unquote British heritage is uh, and examine the connotations attached to that you know British heritage is, has often been associated with the um, class system um, it's kind of accessible to one class um, and we sort of flip that on its head and bring it into a modern light um, that's kind of how I describe it. So what does British heritage mean to you? So then British heritage to me was stale and um, kind of was just associated with this one emulating class and I never really felt um, as though it was accessible to me or to anyone I knew and also it kind of came away where it didn't really want to be accessible to anyone. You know you don't really want to associate with that, that idea of British heritage of that stuffy tweedy suits and dusty clothes. And so I suppose for me, it's taking the straight white man out of that <laughs> and sort of clearing it into the now um, and just giving a different take on that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool. So like um, moving on to like your garments and like your techniques, because they like, they, they, they float so beautifully. It's like they hug the body. Like, it's like, Thank you. You know, it's like as if you take like the heaviness out of the tailoring, you know, like, if you would like take Savile Row sort of but take like the you know the stiffness out of it if you understand what I mean you know yeah of um, course yeah and so like how do you like approach to make like the process making of a garment oh it's so different for what for the, for the garments we make we're super like we're super hands-on in the studio with patterns and so um we were like pattern cut for months and months and then twirl and develop and that's kind of how we, we do it and they're super yeah we spend the majority of our time in the studio like developing new patterns we sort of like reference vintage garments quite occasionally mm-hmm. um but it's kind of like we really focus on that development process of like patterning twirling developing trying different things that's super important to us um and sort of the finish of a garment is super important to us as well. I like to, we you do sort of have to think of a garment as a product because it is. Yeah. And so the the yeah, the inside and outside of, of a garment are just as important as each other for me. And um also you know the price point should warrant a uh, well-considered functioning mm-hmm. inside outside garment. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Um so like going back to like sort of your background because like I mean I lived in the north for like three years I studied like my undergrad in Manchester so um oh, I, nice. yeah and like that's when I first heard sort of like the north-south divide and I was so confused by yeah, yeah, yeah. in the UK um 
So how does like growing up and working class Northern England, like how has that like informed your practice? Like how, how is that like a source of inspiration for you? Yeah, it's super, that's a question that I get quite a lot. And the North South divide is a very real thing. And I think I noticed, I only knew about that when I first came to London and I was the Southern Northern uh, in my uni flat, um, which was fun. Um, I don't know, there's just this obsession and fascination with declaring our differences as more than southern people. It's really weird. And I think it's quite unique to the UK as well. Um, after speaking to other friends. Um, I grew up around like the really sort of um, glamorous like girls of Liverpool. It's kind of me and my friends. And I loved that. And it's a very unique culture, I think, in which it's shared between like Essex and um Newcastle and Liverpool are the girls really um it's kind of like what you talk about all week you sort of work a nine to five Monday to Friday to go out on a Friday with a new outfit and then like a sort of very glamorous approach to going out and I think that South or the people in which I was surrounded by in, in fashion is very anti that um and I, I don't know I think there's a, a, a amount of there's this thing that I don't know it's like access to fashion and, and, and class it's a super interesting conversation but it's all inter intertwined for me um but if I was to say what how does my style reflect that it kind of doesn't and that's kind of the point in a way is that I always been I've, I always get asked like someone said you're fetishizing Tory culture and you just like stick to what you know but if I stuck to what I know I'd be doing like black tracksuits and and choose and I used to wear those things because I was super afraid of expressing myself like my sexuality properly and if you wore a shirt and a trouser there it'd be like oh I get it <laughs> do you know what I mean it's kind of that's the way it was uh, and so I suppose it's ingrained in what I do because it's consciously so not that that makes sense yeah that's really like that's like really good point to be honest um and I mean, your creations um, like show and like they mirror like the British class system a lot. Um, like in your opinion, how does this system shape contemporary British society? Um, okay, hugely, because I think if you sort of look at, I mean, our political system's a mess and our government cabinet's a mess. And it always has been really. Um, but if you sort of look at the statistics of people in parliament, um, and their education background. Um, I think it's wild, it's 75% of parliament are privately educated, whereas 6% of the country aren't. And so I think the, that, the, that is a massive reflection of how um, the class system shapes today's society in which we have a room of not 100 people um, creating laws for people of which they've never met. I mean, I mean, Rishi Sunak is running for office now and uh, that really interesting clip surfaced of him in the last few days saying um, he's never had working class friends and yet he wants to govern over a, a country with a majority of working class people. It's very interesting to me how can you do that. I don't know. It's uh, ingrained in our society hugely. So is this is this what inspires you the most or are there like other fact like other like sorts of inspiration that like inspire you like even more than just like 
the system we live in like I think the the things that I'm inspired by are quite directly linked to that sort of system mm -hmm. like for example we for autumn into 22 um the we introduced women's wear and mm -hmm. um and the collection before we sort of really looked at Sessa and I kind of thought to myself who what's the female um who's the female Sessa on the way that I can really sink my teeth into because these are people who really represent the upper class of art world. And I looked at um, Vita Sackville West after visiting Knoll House. Um, and um, I don't know, it's all linked to like this, the occupants of stately homes in which like, it's kind of this upper class circle. I don't know, it's all very linked to me and it works in, in a visual way as well. Um, so yeah, I hope That's that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, speaking of like beautiful visuals, like um, you um, you dressed Harry Styles for his video Golden, um, mm -hmm. and like how many how many did that come around, and how did it feel to dress such like a force within fashion? Yeah, um, I was. It was in twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. I was just like posting on Instagram things I was making, and. Um, Harry Lambert, his uh, Harry stylist, um, he had on his like Instagram story, like looking for younger designers for a project. And he does that quite often, which I think is brilliant. He's yeah, a yeah. super champion of um, young creators, which is he's great. Yeah. He's just the best person. Uh, and so I sent him my work, and he said it was um, perfect for a different project. And then um, I had an email like a few days later saying that. It was for Harry Styles and he loved what I was doing and um, wow. yeah it was all just it all just came back super I was like at home <laughs> um seeing it all through the phone and it was just kind of wild I was like wow what's going on and that's the weird thing about how when, when we started the business in lockdown all these incredible like huge milestone things happened um but it was they all happened when I was just kind of alone <laughs> in my bedroom with no one to celebrate it yeah that's it's kind of underwhelming like didn't like that tv show normal people come out in lockdown like those two like those two young adults got super famous and then the girl said like it didn't really feel real because he didn't do all these famous things you know like yeah it yeah. was all like she could switch off her phone and that was and then it was like all gone yeah it's kind of exactly the same thing to be honest um and i think i thought that um the most because yeah all these like ridiculous things were happening it's like my work my life was like changing and like yeah it wasn't physically evident around me at all until we came out of lockdown and yeah it's just really weird so basically yeah. you carved out a brand identity in a time where you had very limited physical contact with anyone essentially so what does yeah. what would you say today sets your like namesake label ss daily apart from other like designers Um, I think we have like a real, a really 360 approach to mm. what brand is today. And I think we've really focused on like building a community of people who, who support the brand. But also the main thing for me is I think that there's a really evident SS Daily universe in which that we've built. And that's mm -hmm. through the shows and through the communities that we bring together through the shows. Um, I also think that I think that we're quite transparent in this and how we 
work and how we operate and how we have built the brand, but also how we manufacture clothes and where we source our materials, etc. And so I think that that is something people have related to really, really well. Um, I found it interesting. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I mean, I'm a huge fan of your label. And like my last question would be this issue in Oda is around the past 10 years and the mm. one like that's to come. Um, I mean, reflecting on the past 10 years, um, what are your dreams mm. and aspirations for the next 10 years? I know it's a very deep question. Very big question. I was 15, so yeah, 10 years ago. And when I was 15, I wasn't doing much other than, um, <laughs> other than we were like, yeah, we started partying. Um, <laughs> so we used to be like, I think that's the other thing about the North and the South. We were like, yeah. the North, we started a lot younger than <laughs> I think everyone else did. So when I got to uni, I was like, I'm retired, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so I was just like partying then. Um, but I, I've always been like super fixated on like doing something um, with myself. In a sense, I've always been like, quite driven to like work and to like, do something. Um, I'm only that person. Um, in ten years' time, I don't know. I think that we've got a really gorgeous opportunity to like take the brand into a place in which um, I just feel like right now the sky is the limit, which is really lovely to have that sort of feeling of hope. Um, and I think that we have a few things to think and thank. Uh, like the LMH Prize, Harry, Lambert, um, you know, the people that we surround ourselves by and people that have contributed towards the brand. We've got a lot of um, amazing supporters who have made the whole thing possible, really. And so we attribute the success to those people as well as to me and the brand. Um, I suppose the next 10 years are just full of surprises. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. Life. Are you showing Thank again in you. September? Yes, we are. Um, oh, that's so nice. Which is currently what we're working towards. It's going to be exciting. Um, it's quite it's quite scary though because obviously it's our first show since the LBH Prize win, and we've already noticed that there's sort yeah. of like more attention, and with that comes more pressure. So <laughs> it's scary, but this, um, I'm excited. Is it going to be Victoria Midsummer Night's Dream again then? <laughs> Maybe, maybe Edwardian. Maybe Edwardian this time. You can put that in the press release. You can put that in the press release. It'll be funny if, that, <laughs> if my teacher would read it then. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, maybe it's like a Victorian Romeo and Juliet. Who knows? Yeah, Victorian Romeo. Oh, that, that's nice. That, that's like a. Are you yeah. going to like install a balcony in a Nugent space then? Ooh. Good idea. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm going to write down balcony on my set list now. Yeah, do okay. it. Oh my god, thank you so much for taking time to do this. Um, have a lovely rest of your day. Hope you get to enjoy the sunshine a bit. And thank you, yeah. you too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.